Hello, heroes. Welcome to issue two of the Marvelous Watchers podcast, where we're rewatching all 20 MCU movies getting ready for Avengers Endgame at the end of April 2019. I am Zach. And I'm Jess. This week, it's issue two, but uh, due to some technical difficulties and the holiday schedule, we're going to be discussing both Iron Man and Iron Man 2 simultaneously. Kind of worked out in our schedule that these two were back to back. So hopefully the discussion will be fluid as opposed to if we were doing like Iron Man and Hulk and we can stay on schedule. So that's a nice bonus. For sure. Uh, so right off the bat, I think if viewers kept up and watched both movies before listening to this podcast, I feel like let's just get the elephant out of the room. There is a quality difference between the first Iron Man and second Iron Man, I think. Oh, I would agree. And I think I think it would be interesting to, you know, I definitely think that it would be probably due to like the popularity of the movie. Like even though Iron Man 2 only came out 2 years after uh after the original Iron Man, I feel like this one definitely, Iron Man 2, it just screams studio intervention for me, where yeah, um, some fun facts about Iron Man 1, they barely had a script written mm. for Iron Man 1. Right. Um, I think it almost feels like Jon Favreau didn't direct both. Right. Because the first feels so much like something he would create. Um, and then the second one is just kind of stale almost. Like it felt like one of those sequels where someone says, Hey, let's get a little more juice out of this idea. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Like it felt more half thought than the first one. So it's funny to think that the first one didn't have much of a script. And then the second one was more scripted. Yep. Uh, I would agree with both those takes. I think uh, I think if we haven't watched The Incredible Hulk yet, right? Um, and and actually neither one of us have ever seen it, right? I think that's the one movie that I haven't seen. But if so far, I'm I mean we've only seen three movies, but even knowing what we know about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Iron Man 2 is maybe the low. Yeah, and yeah. I think uh, I happened to mention this in the cart earlier, and I guess I kind of spoiled it for myself, but um, if anyone was listening to our Captain America episode, you know that Captain America is very much a favorite of mine, and that Iron Man is a favorite of Zack's, and that I just don't hold a lot of esteem for Iron Man. Um, but then watching the first movie, it reminded me why Iron Man is so great. Like, it is an incredible movie. And then we watched Iron Man 2, and I was like, I think this is where the bad taste continued for me. So yeah. uh, obviously we'll talk about the characters, and the characters are part of it for me. But but then Iron Man 2 was just kind of a dud. Right. And so it's like, ah, oh, man, like, here's this trope. Like, here we go. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it then, because I think I think a big part of maybe overall disappointment and, you know, not enjoying Iron Man 2 as much is the difference in Tony Stark, the man that we see. 
mm. in Iron Man 2 versus Iron Man 1. Iron Man 1, obviously an origin story, so we spend a lot of time discovering who Tony Stark is and was before his kidnapping um, while in an unidentified Middle Eastern country that is almost for sure Afghanistan. Right. Um, he was a pompous jerk. <laughs> right. I mean, he's, you know, he's a philanthropist, huge multi, like, multi-billion dollar CEO and, you know, f- uh, president of a multi-billion dollar industry that mainly made its money off of creating weapons of mass destruction and war and that will give you a certain type of person and Tony Stark was that. Like I feel like he's one of the guys that would be taken down in the Me Too movement. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like Maybe. he is such a womanizer. Yeah. Takes advantage of people. Yeah. I I could definitely Yeah, I could see that. Not that Tony Stark does or has like I mean he had his uh one night stand with the Vanity Fair journalist at the beginning of Iron Man well, 1. And I know we're not on Iron Man 2 completely yet, but the way that he handles Scarlett Johansson's character, oh, that, the way that yeah, he wants to hire true. her, bring her on like mm, I want one of those, like yeah, that that's whole true. like Yeah, doesn't uh doesn't play well eight years later even if it's like true to the character yeah like if that movie was made in 2018 they probably wouldn't and like that wouldn't be a part of her character at all i don't i don't think i mean obviously her like scarlett johannison's character uh natasha and yeah. it's natalie as the secretary legal person if i yeah. remember right um you know part of it is her sex appeal and like you know that's what kind of draws her in and gets her the role close to tony to kind of keep an eye on him but not a huge fan of of how that rolls out yeah so i I feel like iron man tony stark in iron man one is a man who was shown his mortality Right. And shown the consequences of the business that he create, like his father created and that he helped propel into the 21st century. Yeah. He's on such a nice slope. Like he is a, he's not static. Right. As a character. He grows so much. Yeah. And then in Iron Man 2, we see a Tony Stark that is depressed and, um... I mean, he is dying. Like, he's yeah. dying from his, like, blood poisoning from right. the material that we never gets mentioned in Iron Man 1 and won't get mentioned again because the problem is solved mm-hmm. by the end of Iron Man 2. So it's essentially, like, a an issue created for the movie is this right. blood poisoning thing. Um, so he's dying, and maybe because of that dying, he feels like, okay, I only have six months left to live, so I'm just going to live it up while also being depressed but it's just not fun to watch right like it's not an inner marvel i mean obviously there's incredible movies around depressed and you know 
know characters that know that they are dying soon. Mm-hmm. Those can be that can be an incredible plot point. This wasn't one of those. It was okay. We're just gonna watch a rich guy be really reckless with yeah. both the incredible machine that he's built mm-hmm. and other things like climbing in the race car at the right. Monaco Grand Prix, which is like that's a huge deal. Right. And I think I think the frustration for me is you see him go through this incredible journey in Iron Man One. Like he grows so much as a person. Wow, like you're learning about your mortality. You're learning how to do good. Then right there at the end he's like, Hey, guess what? I am Iron Man and it kinda all goes to his head again and in Iron mm-hmm. Man two, like at the start of the Stark Expo, he's like, Yeah, I created world peace and I did this yeah. and I did that and he tries to say, Oh, but it's not about me. And it's not about you, but so much of that movie again, and I recognize that he was dealing with a lot, but like it is his ego. Oh yeah, for sure. And it drives me bananas. Yeah. Again, like it's probably true to the character and like what would happen in that situation, but it's not fun to watch. Yeah. The regression of, of his growth is just sort of like, well, crap (laughs) yeah like i feel like there was the time missing of like i think it's a year Mm -hmm. between iron man one and iron man two we missed all the growth Mm. he basically he grows some in iron man one he announces he's iron man and then it kind of seems like he spends the next year like shutting down the problematic parts of stark industries right after obadiah is gone we'll get to him and then he and then he starts, and then at some point before the movie starts, he realizes that he has this blood poisoning issue. He tries everything that he knows to try to fix it, mm-hmm. and he can't. And so by the time that Iron Man 2 starts, we have arrived at a depressed and... Um, uh, frantic. Frantic, helpless yeah. Tony Stark. Yep. Doesn't just, Yeah, again, it's just not fun. No. Compare, and then... And then comparing Iron Man to Iron, like, if we're treating Tony in the suit differently, mm-hmm. Iron Man and Iron Man 1 and Iron Man and Iron Man 2 is also different, I think. It's fun to see him learning yeah. how to be Iron Man and Iron Man 1. And then in Iron Man 2, he is already, well, like, he's in a new Mark, right? like, technically a Mark 2 suit. If not, like, three or four with right. even more updates. He knows how to use it. It's fully equipped with everything he needs to do. Comes his... in a suitcase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he, it, it does everything that he needs to do to do his quote-unquote job of mm-hmm. protecting the world. And, it like, we don't discover anything new about mm-hmm. Iron Man 2. Very, or about Iron Man right. and Iron Man 2. Um Jarvis gets very little play mm-hmm. in Iron Man 2, and I love Jarvis as a character yeah, in sure. Iron Man 1. Mm-hmm. And so, again, like, yeah, Iron Man 2 just seems to, un- like, poorly use the characters of Tony Stark and of Iron Man yeah. to try to tell a, a post-9-11 kind of, like, a war machine, yeah, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. kind of move. Right. Anyway, so okay, so that's Tony Stark. Yeah. Let's jump to the next character. Sure. Who should we talk about Pepper next? Sure. Pepper I, I actually will say 
Pepper obviously gets a lot more playtime in the second movie. Yeah. So in the first, she's set up like I love her in the first one as well. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow is a pretty great uh, casting for that, even though I'm not a huge fan of hers in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's a good Pepper, and I just love Pepper. The introduction of her in the first movie, um, the way that she has obviously cared for Tony, actually cared, not like uh, emotionally cared, but has taken care of yeah. Tony. Um, for several years, um, and I won't steal your thunder on your favorite part of Pepper, but then, you know, obviously throughout that movie, they have like maybe a hint of romance and then, but then come second movie, she becomes CEO of Stark Industries. Yeah. And I just love, number one, I love like female power, obviously, like a female lead in that sense. Yeah. Um, but seeing her take that on and just own it was super awesome mm-hmm. um i've loved watching her i mean i would say she grows in iron man 2 where she was pretty static in iron man 1 um yeah like honestly like pepper obviously moves in like has more screen time in iron man 2 than iron man 1 but honestly like becomes a central character that honestly is probably the most fun to watch mm. in Iron Man 2. Seeing her get so flustered with Tony at the beginning of Iron Man 2 right. of like you gave our entire modern art collection right. to the Boy Scouts. What the heck? Right. And I get that frustration. And then Tony surprises her with naming her CEO. Mm-hmm. And really the only way that Tony Stark can kind of get away with of like this should have been a much bigger moment but here we right. are in my workshop and probably was wearing a tank top and (laughs) like it came out of a fight even though it then kind of came out that he had planned the move for a while like had champagne ready and already talked to the lawyers so um and then seeing her become ceo and wrestle with that while also trying to take care of tony while he's obviously depressed and can't replacing herself yeah Moving into his office, getting him to move out his junk, trying to yeah. take care of him during his birthday party. Yeah. Like, like that's an interesting pepper pots to me. Mm-hmm. It's like seeing this woman that was assistant to the CEO and president become the CEO and president. And then go toe-to-toe with Hammer, which makes me happy. Yeah, great. I loved it. Uh, so I think I, if we had recorded this or if we had released the poorly recorded episode that we did of just Iron Man 1, we would have been pretty down on Pepper. But being like able to... Like, she's fine. Right, she's fine. Way. Like, a totally, like, C-minus average character that didn't seem to... Just happens to have a good intro. <laughs> didn't seem to move the plot along right. in herself. Where I feel totally different after Iron Man 2. Right. And it, I'll be interested to see, like, what is that like in... How do I feel about her after Iron Man 3? Because honestly, I don't remember... Oh, yeah, I don't remember like, much I remember, about Iron Man 3. I basically remember one aspect of Iron Man 3, and that's it. And, I do, like, I have no clue. Okay. So it'll be interesting for us to return to her character after we watch Iron Man 3 in, like, yeah. a month. Um, but, yeah, great. Liked it. So one of our biggest issues with mm-hmm. Iron Man 1 yeah. is Rhodey. Yeah, well, let's clarify our issue in Iron Man 1 is not Rhodey. It is the actor portraying okay, yes. the character of Rhodey in Terrence Howard. Who just doesn't do a very good job. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not I'm just a not a fan of him in 
basically anything he's done post um, Academy Hustle Award. and Flow. Yeah. Um, he was the highest paid actor in Iron Man 1, which is ridiculous. Yeah, he was dumb. basically the first casting. Right. It was him cast as Rhodey, and then they got Robert Downey Jr. and Gwyneth Paltrow and um, Jeff Bridges. And uh, Samuel L. Jackson makes a cameo, and um, Clark Gregg makes a small role. So, like, the cast gets filled out around Terrence Howard. Luckily, they're able to pull in these great talents even after spending so much money on getting right. what ends up being a one-off actor in the MCU. Because mm-hmm. Thank God. after his... I think I think everybody understands it's a poor performance that just doesn't work for the character of Rhodey. Mm-hmm. There wasn't zero chemistry between Howard and any of the cast members right. on set, it seemed like. Like, they just didn't jive. Right. And in the, the ab-libbed flow of Iron Man 1, since they operated without much of a script, right. according to director Jon Favreau, um, you get chemistry from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like, you get chemistry between Tony and Pepper, or right. Tony and Obadiah, mm-hmm. or Obadiah and Pepper. And Happy. And Happy. You get all of this, like, it it makes sense and it flows. And then right. whenever Rhodey in Iron Man 1 had a scene, it just seemed like speed bumps. Yeah, it was just kind of like, point. I'm a robot being a soldier. You know, just not not great. Yeah. So he gets kind of like I'm hot stuff and I'm playing this character, so I'm not putting in much effort. Could be a little bit of that too, yeah. Um, but he then gets you know booted from the MCU and is recast. Uh, Rhodey is recast with Don Cheadle portraying him, and he kills it much better, so much much better. better. And I love Don Cheadle, he's uh, I mean. Like, I, he's not at his best in the Italian job, but the Italian job's one of my favorites. And obviously he gets made fun of for his really bad Cockney accent. Right. Like, only next to Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins, the original, when it comes to terrible Cockney accents. But... Don't step on my Mary Poppins. Even you have to admit that Dick Van Dyke's accent's pretty terrible. I think my childhood love just takes over so I same can't for me for the that. italian job there you go i can't so love don cheeto on that can't his house of lies series on showtime was great and he was great in that and then he's great in these movies and it is a breath of fresh air especially considering the added uh stage time that roadie gets for sure once he gets in a suit and he ends up fighting tony multiple times and then fighting with Iron Man, like, at the end of the movie. Right. And we will continue to see Rhodey yeah. in a suit mm. going into the rest of the, the MCU. Right. I will say I really liked the progression. It was interesting watching Iron Man and Iron Man 2 back-to-back. Right. Because in Iron Man, you see him, like, trying to figure things out. Like, what is going on with you, dude? Like, yeah, get it together. And then he's like, oh, okay, this is a thing. And then in the opening of Iron Man 2, there's the Senate hearing. Mm, mm-hmm. And he is very clear. Like, he's very frustrated with the senator. And he's like, 
that is not the extent of my report. Like, right. he's being asked to read some of his findings out of context. And he's like, no, this is still valuable. Like, this matters. Mm-hmm. But then he does have this moral compass, this, like, hard line that he's like, okay, this is too much. So, you know, during the birthday party, during a few other moments, I feel like he's a really great friend to Tony because mm-hmm. he's willing to stand up to Tony. Yeah. And Tony needs that. Well, we realize in Iron Man 2 that Tony and Rhodey are friends. And you totally didn't get that at all in Iron Man Because of Terrence Howard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, there are words, like, dialogue that is supposed to insinuate, like, hey, we've been buds for a while. And you're like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I I think when we record... I want to say last week, but we never released the episode. Mm-hmm. So, in talking about Iron Man 1, when Tony is rescued in the desert yes. with those two marine helicopters, and Rhodey kind of like bends down to kind of like kneels next to him or whatever and says, How was the fun V? And then kind of brings him in for an embrace. No chemistry, no, no warmth there at all. Even like, like the "you'll ride with sense. me next time," like that should be a big deal because yes. it's like, holy crap! I let my friend go and yeah. get blown up and then captured. Yeah, um, and it's like okay, like you'll ride with me. Yeah, it's bittersweet because I would have loved to see Don Cheadle just from the beginning. Can we just Iron go Man. back and like have Iron Man redone? <laughs> Ten years later. Can you imagine the tech? In that, on a 10-year anniversary redo. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's just, it sucks having Terrence Howard kind of bumble through all these kind of important moments that, and if if Don Cheadle portrayed Rhodey in Iron Man 1, Iron Man 1 would probably be, I think for most people, would be a top five, maybe even top three Marvel movie. For sure. And I think it bumps it down from being an A- a grade A movie to like a great, like a B minus because Terrence Howard. Yeah, I would agree. It sucks. Um, let's hit, uh, the next big one. Uh, let's, let's talk. Um, well, let's just quickly go through some more of the good guys, Mm. but, um, I think those are the three like roadie pepper and Tony, those are the three big yeah, central yeah, yeah. characters. We've got Happy with Yay. director John Favreau. Love it. I love the way he inserts himself in these because he's a perfect Happy. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know enough about the comic world to know if Happy existed previously or if it was something that John incorporated. But he is the perfect fit for Happy. Yeah. I love him in so many moments. Yeah. Um, What's standing out to me currently, though, is from Iron Man 2 because we watched it just last night when he's in the car and he's slamming it over and over into the gate, like just doing whatever he can do. Um, The way that he supports Pepper just as much as he does Tony, like she is important to him, too. Um, And I just love him. I love the comedic relief that he brings. Yeah, the dry... I love the dry comedy. Like, yes. he doesn't... Happy doesn't think he's a happy or funny person. No. I don't think. No. And that comes out even more in movies later. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's a, the interesting thing, interesting thing about Happy is that he seems like a tertiary character, but he's a tertiary character that keeps showing up and right. actually will play 
a pretty big role in at least one more movie. Right. Um, and the, I believe, honestly, I don't remember if John Favreau directs any more Marvel movies. I don't think he does because it's JJ does Avengers one. Mm-hmm. Does he do Iron Man three? No, he does not. He does not. Uh, John Favreau. I, uh, I was reading on IMDb that apparently John as director had so many conflicts with the studio over mm. Iron Man two that he opted not to come back for Iron Man. three. That makes sense. Like when you look at Iron Man two, you can tell he didn't get what he wanted. Yeah. Like, and I also know he was able to, because of Iron Man, he probably got all kinds of directing opportunities oh, yeah. that and then he went on and did those things while continuing to portray happy. Yeah. And so hope, be- and I hope that that helped him have a more positive relationship to the MCU than yeah. continuing to be frustrated as a director. Yeah. And I think, I, I think that's, that's shown like if his keep returning even for small bits. Right. Um, I think, but kind of speaking about the studio, kind of interruptions in Iron Man 2, I think brings us to the rest of the tertiary characters, Mm. which is essentially S.H.I.E.L.D. Sure. And I get why we have all these kind of S.H.I.E.L.D.-esque moments in Iron Man 2, because we're leading up to Avengers. Right. And it needs to tie in to more than just these characters from these movies Mm. or, like... They don't want to do all this exposition in the Avengers if they can talk a little bit about the Avengers Initiative yeah. and S.H.I.E.L.D. as an organization and like uh, um, Howard Stark being like a founding member right. of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Iron Man 2 mm-hmm. so that it doesn't really have to be brought up in Avengers. But all the S.H.I.E.L.D. scenes are so like out of left, like they just don't belong to the rest of Iron Man 2. Sure. I, I will say, I will say, uh, in our original recording, we talked about how much we love the introduction of Agent Coulson. Like oh, we he's great love, we love that. I think that's really great. It's Iron Man two again that we have the issue with. Um, but yeah, some of those out of left field, like oh hey, by the way, here's all these people showing up to talk to you. Um, that the donut shop scene where it's like I know it's important because it reveals. Uh, Natalie as Natasha. Right. Um, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Right. That is obviously a huge part of the MCU. Yes. Um. Yeah, like, I love, love, love the Scarlett Johansson casting. I will say, when Iron Man 2 first came out, I was not a fan, and you know that. I think I remember us watching Iron Man 2 together in your basement when we were in college, and you were oogling a little too much, and so it was more of the, like, jealous dating play on my part. You're also less of a prude now. Oh, for sure. we were. Both of us (laughs) were in college. That's true. But also, it's never fun to watch someone be like, dang, all right, she's, yeah. Um, I wanted to come up with an example for, since we're both straight, being married to, to one another, like, trying to come up with a male that you I will over like Jude Law or someone like that that's fine but yeah um the holiday yeah sure um I still love the holiday yeah but at the time I was sort of like I really don't want to watch her in a really tight suit 
fighting people with her bouncy hair like that's not okay but now i'm like girl power like you go get them um and also i think i read something in the trivia about how she was like really nervous to have that suit on because of all of the moves she had to do like all that stunt work in that suit the stunt work in the um when they're breaking into the hammer building yes yes yes. that's what i was referring to i mean like that's some intense stuff yeah. to be in that tight leather. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I I think looking back and now, I'm like, dang, girl, respect. <laughs> yeah, sure. And I'm good with it. Uh, but and at the time, a, I was kind of like... she's a good actress. Meh. Yes, like, I do. Like, she's not just a pretty face. Like, yeah. She is, she is actually good at portraying her character. Yes, and what obviously we won't get to today is I also know how much... I know so much more about her character now from all these other movies, and I like her a whole lot more. But then what I had mentioned earlier about Tony's portrayal of her, of like just being kind of just this piece of meat, is the the whole frustration for me, I think. Now looking back, just a different side of that coin. Yeah. Where now it's like, instead of getting frustrated with her... Right. You're, we're obviously frustrated with Tony for yeah. being a womanizing... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, pr- oh, not prude, a uh, prick. Yes. Um, yeah, so... Uh, but anyway, S.H.I.E.L.D. will obviously... I mean, a huge part of yep. the MCU. Basically, the good guys. Right. As we know, it will play a huge part in the Avengers. Mm-hmm. We see in the post credit scene, Coulson in New Mexico setting up the next movie on our list, Thor. Yep. Um, and so S.H.I.E.L.D., Fury, Coulson will play a weaving, be a weaving web through the rest of the MCU. And obviously if you, you know, are interested in S.H.I.E.L.D., there's like five seasons of the ABC show. Which you really like. I do really like. I think if you can get through the Monster of the Week season one (laughs) which is still enjoyable because it's superhero stuff right and it's done really well it's on abc it's not like you know a a rinky dink like it's not a disney channel show Mm -hmm. if you can get through the first season basically to where the show catches up to the events that take place in avino and captain america winter soldier then the show gets really good and stays good Anywho, Um, bad guys. Yeah, well, I also want to just briefly mention another tertiary good guy, which is Jensen, who's played by Sean Taub. Yes. um, From Iron Man 1. Yeah, the first act good guy. Love, love, love him. Obviously, he saves Tony's life multiple times, is willing to sacrifice himself for him uh, with his sweet family. Like, that yeah. whole part about going to them, oh, yeah. but dying. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, that kind of reveal there in that he's dying to go see them. There was never a way that he was going to escape to a village where they would live. Yeah. Um, he really is the one who encourages Tony not to waste his life, but to do something with it. Um, obviously, there's a trend here between me really loving people like Captain America, Steve Rogers, and, and Jensen, but yeah. um, huge fan of him, and I'm grateful for the way that he changes the trajectory of Tony's life, obviously, because that is what kind of sends this whole thing yeah. into action. Um, 
And maybe Armin 2 is missing a little bit of that. There isn't yeah. a good voice. Like, I guess Rhodey is the closest thing. Mm. But Rhodey's still just... I mean, he's... he. He's doing his job. He's doing his job and choosing fists over words most yeah. of the time. I feel like... Uh, in the sense of Captain America, when we were talking about how, um, the doctor is like the Obi-Wan, like you almost kind of expect a really cheesy voiceover. Jensen is kind of that one here of like the, the, the wise man providing like little one-liners to help you like stay motivated and stay focused through your, uh, your, um. What's the word I'm looking for? Your transformation, your um, mission. Yeah. That's the word I was trying to think of. Big, huge parallels between Jensen and the Doctor, portrayed by Stanley Tucci in yep. Captain uh, Captain America, First Avenger. Basically, wholesome character who is used to assist and get our hero from who they were before to who they were after. For sure. And then dies immediately after. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see if that trend continues because, like, you had mentioned you haven't seen the Hulk, um, but I haven't seen Thor or the Hulk, uh, Incredible Hulk. Like, I haven't seen some of these, of the origin stories. So I'm curious to see if that trend continues. That'll be fun to talk about. Because, I mean, I'm trying to think. There's not too many... After event or after Incredible Hulk and Thor, there aren't too many solo origin stories. Well, like, I guess you have like Guardians of the Galaxy that you kind of get a little bit of the origin story of Peter Quill and then yeah. you have Doctor Strange. And I well, think and you've it. got Spider Man and like but you don't really get really in much of an origin story. That's true, not in Homecoming, but we know from Spider Man you've got like Uncle sure. Ben yeah. and and some of that. So I think that is a very common MCU occurrence well yeah i mean like well yeah common comic yeah yeah, yeah. like i mean all these characters are classics being written in right yep the you know if not the 40s then the 50s and 60s and they only had so many panels and pages to yeah squeeze in a story so yeah you get these kind of like you said these obi-wan mentor types that help the transformation along uh, okay, let's chat bad guys. So, yeah. in the first movie, we have Raza, um, which is, uh, Farron Tahir, and we've got the ten, is it the ten circle? Ten rings. Ten rings. Um, and then Obadiah Stane by Jeff Bridges, who is fabulous. Man. Like, so good. He is such a great villain, and I love the way... His villainousness, whatever, like mm-hmm. his role as a villain unfolds in Iron Man One. Yes. It is fabulous and slow, as opposed to Iron Man Two. Yes, where before literally the first scene of the movie. Yeah, before the title. Before the title sequence. Yeah, we're just getting a bunch of subtitled exposition. Yep, and camera pans to newspaper clippings to understand who Ivan this like random Russian guy is yeah 
Oh, is that what his they villain don't name say is? His, they don't even say the superhero name, but yeah, he's Whiplash. That's so such a great name. Yes. Oh, man. Um, so, yes, I love the way that Obadiah's story unfolds. So, like, you see Tony captured, and you see them creating that uh, video, the... Um, like the blackmail video or yes. whatever, maybe whatever you want to call it. I can't think of it. Um, and you're like, holy crap, they're sending this to like say that they've captured Tony Stark and they want money. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he goes, oh yeah, by the way, I'm the one who voted you out of the yeah. board. And great. it just kind of unfolds. And then by the end, you're like, wait a minute, you ordered a hit. Like it just, it was so fabulous. Yeah. And then in Iron Man 2, you're like, oh, come on guys. Like... This, like, crazy, uh, vengeant, like, Russian trope thing that's just Not a good villain at all. Yeah. Uh, Bicky Rourke, not great. No. Chooses to do half the movie speaking Russian, broken English. Yeah. I want Um, my bird. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a terrible thing. But he's so focused on that bird. Yeah. Uh, I read in trivia, he really, like, that was Mickey Rourke. And that makes sense. Like, Mickey Rourke wanted the gold teeth and the bird to be a huge part of Whiplash's character. You can't see this, listeners, but, like, I'm scrunching scrunching my nose. Like, just, like, He wanted it so bad he paid the money. For the bird and the gold teeth. That's like the so, studio didn't no, pay for it. No, I am. That's a hard no for me. Yeah. Uh, basically, comparing villains in Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2 is essentially one of the high points in kind of one-off villains. Right. To huge low point in comparing Obadiah Stane to Whiplash. Yeah, I just... Obadiah... It, it's such a great story to have been the one who supported Howard Stark the yeah. whole way. And then he finally wants his glory. And yeah. so he's going to go after his son. Like, it's classic in a good way. Yeah. Where this, like, random Russian man who wants revenge for his father yeah. is just a little off for me. Yeah. I mean, the hard part is that it's all... Ivan's reasoning is all shown poorly. Like, it's given to us in huge swaths of exposition. Yeah, like, here's this dying man. Like, this should have been you. Oh, that Mickey work scream when his dad dies. You and I looked at each other like, really? The scream? But in general, like, here, we're watching the Iron Man press release, and it's like, oh... That should have been you. And it's like, well, no. Yeah. Because you did something wrong and went away for it. Like. Yeah, like, uh, so Ivan, his entire motivation. Anton, I think, is his dad's name, if I remember yeah. right. Ivan, his entire motivation is to basically kill Tony because Tony's dad, Tony's dad Basically, he, Ivan thinks Howard Stark ripped off right. Anton. Well, and the thing, too, I will say the one cool line 
that Mickey Rourke had was that line about how his goal, I don't remember the exact phrasing, it wasn't to kill Tony, but it was to show that that God could be defeated. Do you know what I'm talking about? That line, like when he, when Tony goes into his jail cell or the holding cell and says something. Oh, yeah. uh, if you could make, if you could make God bleed, people would cease to believe in him. There will be blood in the water. The sharks will come. All I have to do is sit back and watch as the world consumes you. So I actually kind of liked that parallel in the sense of he was like, no, I got to show your weakness. Like, you thought you were it. Yeah, but I don't know if... Is that what happened in the movie? <laughs> no, I'm... Like, no, I, like, and that's I the bummer. Like, like the if problem. he had stuck with that, yeah. that would be cool. Like, and maybe that was... Like, a long con, like, from the inside. And to, maybe like, that was his plan, and then Hammer kind of interceded and made something else happen. You know, like, Hammer is the one who pulls him out of jail and does the random thing <laughs> and puts him to work. And that, obviously, he had no clue that was coming. So maybe he would have been content with this, like, hey, I'm just going to show everybody that you're not actually that great. Yeah. And be content with that. It was just that someone else had a bigger plan. I mean, I guess I guess it's just his appearance with the arc reactor technology does some of that. of like, And, and that's where Tony kind of gets in deep with the government is like you told us that we were decades away from other people having this technology mm-hmm. this dude just showed up to the grand prix monaco to and had the tech and he's some random dude from a russian prison and tony legitimately thinks he's stolen it like he's like where did you get this from yeah. like how did you find this so at that point i guess tony is made a little bit smaller in that oh this other guy also has access to the same technology you right. did but I don't know. I maybe that just doesn't translate super well. Sure. Like that makes sense. I, I just it was a good line. Yeah, I, no, I that liked. Good. I was like, okay, I can get behind that. Like that was good. Yeah. Um. I yeah, like it. It just stinks to be comparing Stain and Whiplash because I just don't think Whiplash was nearly nearly as good. Mm. Um. Who else? Uh, I do want to talk about Hammer. Oh yeah, Sam Rockwell. So here's the thing. I really like Sam Rockwell. I think he's a good actor. He's in theaters now with uh, Vice. Heard good things. But holy cow, Justin Hammer is the most annoying person. Oh, he's terrible. I can't stand him. And if that's how I'm supposed to feel, then congratulations, John Favreau. You succeeded. But, like, how is this bumbling idiot supposed to be a business rival to the genius Tony Stark. Like, they are opposites, but no, nowhere in this movie do I think that Hammer has ever invented anything in his life. He, it makes me think that he runs a company filled with geniuses. Right, like, it's super funny to think about that scene where he lays everything out on the table and uh, Rhodey's like, I mean, I'll take it, I guess. Yeah. And then you watch him try to use that little missile, the, the ex-wife, that was supposed oh, yeah. to be like it, like the best yeah. weapon. So Rhodey goes to use it, and he's like, I got this, don't worry. And it goes, ping. Yes. And just falls into the water and fizzles. And I was like, that is the epitome of Hammer yeah. right there. 
and I, I, I don't get this rivalry thing again. It was like, what is how is the Stark Expo? Like, I get how it was created. Like, it's obviously a big play off of the World Fairs Mm -hmm. that were extremely popular and screamed Disney to me. Yeah. Um, And it was, he even said, like, this is the first time I'm bringing it back. So it must have been something that Howard did a lot. So, but I'm just like, how would you, why would you let a business rival schedule a showcase on your stark main stage right like uh, no (laughs) basically all the plot holes yeah just didn't really make much sense to me i loved the um court or not the the senate hearing scene Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the movie where hammers brought in as this expert kind of flounders a little bit and then Tony just wipes the floor with him with all the like video images loved that yes um didn't hate the hammer whiplash interaction while they're eating like in the like no that scene was funny like that was a cool scene but then basically like he's just a a sniveling snob yeah he's not great doesn't have any doesn't seem to have any kind of talent or charisma to back up what he thinks he has. Charisma is the word that I was thinking of. Like, Tony at least has that. He may yeah. be a womanizer. He may be whatever. He sells it. But he sells it, and he he is good with a crowd, and Justin Hammer is just like, uh, okay? Yep. Not great. Like me because I have money, please. Yeah, exactly. And I think the perfect example of that is with that, uh, the Vanity Fair writer at yes. the, at, uh, Monaco. Yeah. Where he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, didn't you want to talk to me? Like, come on, come on, you're, you, you were here for me. And you can just yeah. see his insecurity come out yes. in, in that entire sequence there where he's like, how am I supposed to compete with that? Yeah, he has a total, um, complex. Yeah. Comparing himself to Tony Stark and it shows and it's embarrassing to watch. And provides a little bit of comic relief at points, but... But then um, it's just sad. It kind of makes you feel sorry for him. It's like, oh, you're just so outgunned and outmanned in every category. And then, though, he's like, oh, I didn't have anything to do with this. And I'm like, yes, you did. He funded the crazy guy. Yeah. Like, you got him he out of him jail. 20-some drones, and then he apparently built a Iron Man-esque suit underneath your nose that you never knew about. Yeah, like, why would you not keep closer tabs on the guy? Yeah. Um, um, the other thing that I just thought about that we didn't talk about, going back to Rhodey really quick, mm-hmm. because of where we're at, yeah. with the, um, when Whiplash, because I'm going to try to use that name now, because it's super awesome, when Whiplash takes control of the droids, yes, or the drones, and going Star Wars again, the, mm. the drones, and then Rhodey doesn't have control anymore. Yeah. That was such a great scene for Don Cheadle where he's, like, helping Tony out by yes. saying, like, hey, I'm coming on your, you know, that whatever. I'm coming cool. at you. Like, he played that so well, and you could tell he was worried about his friend um, and, and, and get, all of that. You kind of saw some of his soldier. Like, he's, like, using jargon. Yes. He immediately, like, he he's not stressed out. 
He is cool under pressure. Yes. Like, he understands the stakes, but he's not, like, flipping his crap. Yes. Like, I was like, oh, this is a soldier yes. who's in a powered suit that he can't move, but he does see, the like, the heads-up display and the yes. targeting retina. And he's like, I've got a missile lock. We're coming up on your six. Yep. Like, he... Like, I really, really appreciated that part of yeah. his character. That was a well-played scene. Yep. I really enjoyed it. Forgot and I really to mention that. Loved, loved that he gets in the suit. Um, love the kind of Easter egg drop where Tony tells Rhodey, like, do you want to be part of this war machine? And war machine is actually the name of Rhodey. Oh. Like, him in the suit is war machine. That doesn't surprise um, me. I don't. Th- I don't even know if they ever say it in any of the Avengers movies. I don't think but so. But like in the comics, Rhodey in the suit is is War Machine. Okay. Um. So that that's a, a cool Easter egg for comic book fans. I love that. Um, but at the same time, like it wouldn't make sense for him to have a name mm-hmm. for himself, or all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm War Machine. Like that just would have been totally out of character. Um, the other. Uh, baddie that I want to briefly mention is the senator. <laughs> Got, uh, Gary Shandling, R.I.P. Like, so great. Um, I just, well, number one, super accurate portrayal, uh, well, which just uh, after, we won't get into. Yeah, but we've, we, let's just say I saw more senators on television that, in 2018 than I have previously. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to be a very accurate representation yes. of a Senate hearing. And uh, I will say the Senate hearing, God, that was a disaster. But then at the end, when they have to, when he, when, uh, <laughs> I can't even get it out. When uh, in he, the middle. Yes. When um, Fury makes him be the one, like somehow he arranges it that he's oh, the yeah. one that gives the so medal. Great. And you can just tell that he is dying inside having to do it. That was such a great... That, to me, was a great John Favreau moment. Like, you could tell right. that was something that he orchestrated. Yeah. Um, there were several of those moments that came through, and that was a great one to end on. Yeah, that was a great, uh, a great note to kind of leave on. It was like, okay. And it'll be interesting to see Tony... I, I think we'll see him next in Avengers. Mm-hmm. But okay, like, you've gone through this depressing, this depression, this almost PTSD, this thinking that you're going to be dead, but mm. don't have to deal with that anymore. Sorry, yeah. listeners. Um, the other thing that I want to mention, which might technically be, like, a not-a-fan moment, but the thing that really bothers me in Iron Man 2, which obviously a lot more bothers me about Iron Man 2, is... Uh, the scene where Tony is creating the atom, like this whole thing of like, mm-hmm. oh, my dad created this city that I now know how to create an atom. I mean, create a new element with like yeah. that to me was very far fetched. Like, ooh, dad left this nugget for me to find so that I could live like just no. I'm cool with the I'm going to leave a map like a map to a new element but the words being said didn't really match up with the like hologram projections added in CG later as far mm-hmm. as like the 
atom or like the protons and neutrons like like he said all this stuff but none of that was really shown like then, ooh, let's make the gazebos the protons and i'm like like yeah there was a couple jumps made that i i totally get we don't want to sit there and watch a guy like hey psychic carry um you don't want to sit there and watch a guy like work on this puzzle for right too long but at the same time it's like uh, yeah a, a bit of a jump and then okay we're just going to build a hadron collider essentially inside your laboratory destroying half of it destroying half of it like how do I, i'm not sure how an element gets created with a laser pointing to a metal triangle. Ooh, and then all of a sudden it works and we don't need to test it. I'm just going to shove it in my body and hope it doesn't right. kill me. Yeah, but then it never really does anything more than that. It's just like, cool, I'm not dead from blood poisoning. This was, my dad happened to leave me the perfect solution. Like, such a deus ex machina. Yes, for sure. Like, I mean, there were... uh crumbs along the way where it's not like it just came out of nowhere but at the same time in this big universe of a cinematic the cinematic universe i feel like there could have been it could have been done in a different way that wasn't so right singled off to this one movie. anyway that was just kind of like a eh, another issue for me in this movie yeah I think basically we don't like the crux of Iron Man 2. Nope. We don't like dealing with a Tony that is dealing with a blood poisoning that we didn't hear about in the first Iron Man and we won't hear about again. That makes him a jerk again. That makes him a jerk. We don't like the... Villain. Villain. We don't like his weak motivation. Don't like his... the Basically his backstory in a exposition dump and yeah. we don't like his portrayal by his actor. Yeah. Um Pepper's basically the thing we like in Iron Man like too. Paper and Paper? <laughs> Pepper as a character and then Rhodey being portrayed by Don yes. Cheadle are the two saving graces of Iron Man Two. Yeah. Um okay, so let's let's grade these movies well not we don't have to give them a grade but let's rank them in terms of the other put them on the list mm. this is something that we were going to do yep. and now this is the first time doing it since we're just now getting past watching our first movie and releasing our first episode yeah so we've seen iron man iron man 2 and captain america the first avenger so for me this might surprise you a little bit i'm gonna go iron man captain america Iron Man 2. Agreed. Just as much as I love Captain America, like the Iron Man movie is better. Yeah. We like we you you were telling me last week after we watched Iron Man 1, like you hadn't seen it in a long time yes. or maybe you weren't paying attention completely when watching it. And so giving it your full attention, you realize like it's like oh man, this is much more developed than I remembered. Right. And that was why when I watched Iron Man 2, I was like this was when I had an issue. Like, this is what I remember about Iron yeah. Man. And going back and seeing the first, I was like, oh, no, this is really good. Yeah, dark and moody Tony's not fun. No. Basically, at the end of the day. I'm, I'm the same. I, we're definitely going to differ as we grow Move the forward. List. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it'll be interesting to see where we put Thor. Sure. In the list, or the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Like, we've never seen it. But it's we've heard only, all kinds of things about it. It's the only movie that 
neither one of us have seen. Didn't you see? Did you? Oh, not, I haven't seen see... the Dark World. Thor: The Dark World. Yeah, Thor two. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it'll but be yeah. the first one. We've heard some things, so it'll be interesting to see where we put it on the list For compared sure. to Iron Man two, which yeah, is yeah. right now the the deepest valley. Yeah, the deepest valley. I don't want anybody to talk crap about Captain America ever again. Yeah, was wasn't great. Um, we did have a question from a listener. Uh, when we were posting questions about Iron Man 1. I loved this question so much. It was. And now I want to make sure I remember my answers. <laughs> uh, uh, it was from our friend Richard, Bo- Richard Brooke, who he, he asked us, like, basically, that I think something that we're probably going to end up talking about a lot when yes. we talk about these movies is how we have become very close to the actors who are portraying these incredible characters. But there's definitely something special about Robert Downey Jr. Well, this was his comeback. This was his huge comeback as an actor after like a major fall from grace in Hollywood, a a drug problem, all those things. This and Sherlock Holmes were... Very cool parallel between Robert Downey Jr. as an actor and... Tony Stark. Oh yeah, that's a great point. As a, a character, I think. Mm. Um, but he he basically asked us, is there an actor from any era that could give an equal or similar performance of the character? Right. Do you remember your answer? We talked about it. Uh, yeah. Like so we talked about it last week. I know. I remember just really struggling because he is such a great one. Yeah. But when thinking through. Uh, someone that stood out to me would be someone like Harrison Ford. If it weren't for, um, for like any era, if it weren't, yeah, yeah, if it weren't for Indiana Jones, he would make a great Iron Man because he's got that same cocky bit to him when thinking about his portrayal of Han Solo. I think that's why he came to mind for me. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, great casting. I think, uh, I'd. I didn't do a whole lot of the other era thing, partly because, like, this is the era I'm most familiar with. Right. I, I grew up under a rock and haven't seen a lot of, like, classic movies. So, like, I don't... Th- I'm sure that there are other actors that could do a really great job that I'm just not aware of. But uh, the kind of current actor that, like, if we were casting this in, like, the mid-2000s, getting ready for a 2008 release... That I think they could do a cool job as Timothy Oliphant mm. um, from Justified fame. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I I think he has a similar uh, rugged handsomeness. Could totally sell the rich asshole that then is like kind of has his comeuppance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and could pull off the action sequences. I think. Mm. Um. But yeah. I ended up doing a total recast when we were sitting there talking about Iron Man 1. This is so fun to me. I'll just do this really quickly. I wasn't actually going to go into it, but... Um, I know I love it. Uh, I'd say Jessica Chastain would be a great pepper. Yep. Um, uh, if they wanted to go kind of off book and kind of do something a little different, Constance Wu mm-hmm. from Crazy Rich Asians. Yep. Could, I just think she'd be great in the MCU. Yeah. Um, I also... Uh, there was somebody else that I had thought of for Pepper, and she's slipping my mind. But those are two really great choices. Um, it's that it's anybody who can carry like dry humor, 
because that is Pepper. She is sarcastic and she is dry and she yeah. is fabulous. Um, I remember saying something about Rachel McAdams, but obviously she comes up in the MCU later yes. and she um, she works with Robert Downey Jr. in Sherlock, so that would be a little too much, but yeah. someone like her would be great. If we were recasting Happy, I think Nate Fillion mm. would be real great. But that's just because I love Nate Fillion, and I think he should be in the MCU as quickly as possible. Someone else that would be kind of fun would be, this is a bad example, um, someone like, uh, oh shoot, like Dave Chappelle. <laughs> uh, what's that movie yeah. where he's a, he's you kind of a mail. sidekick. Yeah, you've got mail, but, but someone along those lines who is just... This would be a good spot for like a stand-up comic. Yes. That has some acting chops. Yes. That happy would be like the role. Yeah, and maybe that's why he's the one who comes to mind for me. But just somebody Uh, fun. Yeah, that'd be cool. Also, just a great way to add a little bit of diversity in that role because that is something that these movies lack. True. Um, Don Cheadle as Rhodey is pretty great. Yes. Like I, that's a recast because it's not Terrence Howard. Mm. I said Michael B. Jordan if we were going younger, but we'd actually encounter him in the MCU later. Yep. Um, Obadiah, basically, I mean, Kurt Russell can basically do anything Jeff Bridges can do. I think they're basically interchangeable, so that might be cheating. Um, Christian Bale would be an interesting younger, Mm. younger Obadiah. Like if you were going to make, uh, I'd be interested in as Bale would be a great hammer. Yes. If you wanted to yeah, actually... To kind of pull in a little Batman feel. <laughs> yeah, but like if you wanted to give Hammer gravitas yeah. that matches the relationship we're told Hammer yes, and Stark has that we don't see. Yep. That instead of the sni- sniveling like guy who's not capable of anything. Right. Christian Bale being like mm. this hard... Yeah. That maybe he isn't the inventor type that Tony is, but he runs his company uh-huh. like Christian Bale would do. A really job of that. another great Obadiah would be uh Joaquin Phoenix, if a little younger. Yeah. Like walk the line Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, very gritty. Yeah. Or even thinking about him in uh the Russell Crowe movie, Gladiator. I'm gonna be honest, it's been a while since I've seen Gladiator, so I can't say for certain that He's Joaquin... the evil Guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's the, the He emperor. can get... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just he, Yeah, I would say, crazy. like, the, the, the aughts Joaquin Phoenix yes. would be good and maybe keep him from going. Not, not Joaquin Phoenix from her. <laughs> I haven't seen her. I heard her was great. Yes, but, but obviously uh, very different feel. Uh, then last one, if we were going to recast Phil Coulson... Um, because this was just Iron Man 1, I didn't do Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Cho, mm-hmm. uh, would be great. He's in a recent thriller called Searching, and he's from Harold and Kumar fame, and mm-hmm. he's done, I feel like he's been in a lot of TV shows that end up getting canceled after one season, and it's not his fault. Right. <laughs> um, no, I would agree. But he's, he's good, and again, would bring some diversity to, um, up until this point has been lacking yeah because really the only diverse i mean uh raza and jensen are non-white and portrayed by non-white actors but that is kind of what and then we have roadie yeah roadie 
and uh, that's it. Like, that could be better. Like, I'm even thinking, obviously we didn't talk about recasting Iron Man 2, but having someone other than Scarlett Johansson. I love her. She's great yeah. for the role, but that would also be a great opportunity for yeah. some diversity. Hammer would also be a great... Yep. Like, there are a ton of non-white actors yep. that could have been Justin Hammer um, without a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm actually thinking, like, the guy that played... Like, if you wanted to go for a more serious Justin Hammer, mm-hmm. uh, the guy that portrays Luke Cage. Mm. Um, Mike... Or, you know, uh, who is the, uh, the guy who is in, he guest stars in that one episode of New Girl, and he's in private practice. Oh, yes, Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs. Tay no, D- he's too good looking. But that would be, like, to me, I mean, I don't think Kinda Sam suave. Rockwell, I yeah. don't think Sam Rockwell is unattractive. That's but, true, like, Tay Diggs, like, I think he he has the charisma that makes sense. for Justin But Hammer. I think the point is that Justin Hammer doesn't have charisma. Well, then I just don't like his character yeah. in Iron Man 2. I guess I that makes sense. I can save it by giving a better Also, character. Obadiah would be a great opportunity for someone. And actually, uh, I don't know why, and this might be a bad thought. The guy... The Allstate guy, who was David Palmer in 24. I have no idea what that actor's name is, but yeah. Yeah, like someone like that. Yeah. For Obadiah, like just just for something. Has like, that guy done anything after being David Palmer in 24 other than Allstate commercials? Oh, I'm sure he has. I, I just, feel like he was in a military... Probably. A military show that I can't pull the name off the top of my head. Yeah. But I guess it doesn't. it wouldn't make sense for someone following... Howard Stark in that time frame right. to have been a person of color, unfortunately. Like, when thinking about the and 30s and the not 40s. Not to turn out to be a bad guy who'd be willing to portray his son. Well, just in like, general, like, it wouldn't yeah. have happened. That opportunity would not have been provided, which is a huge bummer, but... Right. Uh, Obviously. Yeah. Okay. I think that's Iron Man and Iron Man 2. I do, really quickly, Yes. want to say that we have put a ton of crap on Iron Man 2. Like, yes. we have really rubbed its nose in it. It deserved it. But Iron Man also had an issue outside of uh, our casting problem. The and f- that was that stupid fight scene at the end. The fight sequence isn't, wasn't strong in Iron it's Man 1. It's terrible. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Tony would have died being up on top of that roof. Yeah, I don't know why he survived the arc reactor like overloading when Obadiah didn't... In general, um, poorly planned fight scene. Perfect opportunity to have a villain that didn't die. Like, Obadiah could have just been knocked out and incapacitated and put in... Bellevue or something. Right, like put in the maximum security prison for him to come back later. Like, yeah. that would have been really cool. Like, yeah. have him return in Iron Man 2 so we don't have to deal with a bad Justin Hammer. Mm. Like, could have been interesting. Yeah, so anyway... Just throwing that nugget out there. Yeah. Iron Man was not perfect. It is the best so far. But also yeah, had its issues in the sense MCU that John Favreau either. did not have a ton of experience with things like a hundred and fifty million dollar budget and, and fight no scenes, yeah, and a huge CGI fight scene. Yeah. Like we were reading that they kept trying for Tony's Audi A8 to flip, yep, and to tear uh, and like crush during that fight scene, and it wouldn't because it's mm. such a solid. And I'm like, okay, well that's something. Maybe someone else would have known better. Yeah. Or like, would have. And so they ended up re- 
moving around that yep. whole sequence, yep. and you, it kind of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say, obviously, we talked a lot about Iron Man two. We pooped on Iron Man two. Yeah. We talked about how much we love Iron Man. Listeners, if you have questions or thoughts about the first Iron Man, I think we talked so much about it last week in the recording that didn't make it. Yeah. That, uh... Like, we're, we're like, approaching the same amount of recording time as we recorded just talking about Iron yep. Man 1. So if you have questions or thoughts, feel free to send them to us, and we will be happy to expand on it. Yeah. But for now, I think our brains are so on Iron Man 2 from having watched it last night yeah. that I did just want to make that. Where can they send those questions and comments, Jess? Hey, why don't you find us on Twitter at MarvelousPod or on Instagram at MarvelousWatchers. You can also call in on a number and leave a voicemail. Oh, yeah. That number is um, somewhere that we don't reference often. You can call in and leave a voicemail at 828-278-8607, and you might even hear your voice on the podcast. Um, But obviously, we've had some fun interactions so far with other MCU fans on the Instagrams and the Twitters, and so we're excited to um, continue that. Also, shout out to Zach's brother, Luke, who... We featured last week in our conversation about Iron Man. He gave some really great notes, and I just realized we didn't use them this episode. So Sorry, Luke. Love you. So next week we're going to watch... It was kind of a toss-up between Thor and the Incredible Hulk, but based on the post-credit scene yep. with Coulson just basically arriving at the touchdown point of Thor's hammer. I think it's worth going ahead and watching Thor. Yeah, for sure. And then we'll watch Incredible Hulk the the following week. Um, We are back on our normal schedule. Yes. So next episode where we talk about Thor comes out uh, on Wednesday the 3rd? Is that the 3rd? The 2nd. Yes, the second. So, uh, Happy New Year's, everybody. Uh, Hope you had a great holiday season. Yeah, hopefully you're listening to this on Boxing Day. Boxing Day. Watching plenty of soccer. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's it. Uh, We are on on iTunes. So, if uh, wherever you're listening uh, to the show, if whether it's on iTunes, Google Play Store, Overcast, Pocket Casts, wherever... Go ahead and leave us a rating, whether it's a thumbs up, whether it's five stars, ten stars, wherever, whatever platform you use. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Those do help. And then we are looking forward to talking about Thor next week. So obviously we asked for questions and comments on Iron Man or Iron Man 2, but send us anything you've got on Thor and we'll be happy to include that in the episode as well. Yep. We believe Thor is available on basically all of your major streaming video platforms for rent if it follows the trend for all the others i believe it's only 3.99 yeah 3.99 to rent on amazon probably similar similar price on itunes google play youtube so get thor wherever you prefer to get your videos and we will be back in one week to potentially tear it apart. We'll see what happens. Loving on some Chris Hemsworth. 
yeah, well, we're going to be loving on some Chris Hemsworth. Mm -hmm. All right, say goodbye. Bye, guys.